Hi, this is Jordan. And I'm Brian. And you're listening to The Quality Varies. Hi, Brian. Oh, now you just, you used the intro on the other podcast and now you're just not going to do it on this one? Mm-hmm. Yep, I gave up. You're a confusing man. I do my best. Episode 28? 27? 28? I think 28. 28? I don't know. What are we talking about today, Brian? Your favorite. Wow. Did you really have to go there? I did. Well, I guess I didn't have to, but I did. But you did. What's that? Don't make, don't make me say it. <laughs> relationships. Not just Goody. not just your favorite kind of relationships. All kinds of relationships. All of them. All of the things. Mm-hmm. I hope you get that slurp, and I hope you don't cut it out. I drank at the same time as you. I just did it in a way that didn't get it on the audio. Because I'm a professional. Well, you're boring. That's what you are. Thanks. Uh, Brian, what's the first thing you think of when you hear the word relationships? Uh, well, I think of those closest to me. I think about my wife. I think about friends I've had for most of my life. I think about my kids, for sure. My parents, my siblings. And I think about, I think about how uh, I've been influenced by relationships mm. with those people. You know, there's a the saying, the old saying goes, it takes a village to raise a kid. Yep. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Like a lot of truth in that. Uh, in so much that any adult has come to be the adult they are by uh, by way of every interaction they've ever had with with other people i definitely agree yeah and some others i mean i don't want to get into the nature versus nurture thing it's not really a thing anymore but some people still want to make it a thing obviously there's both aspects at play and so i guess the the individual is the the individual can be thought of as the the football field upon which all of the all of the interactions from all of the relationships are playing each other. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of does. All of the conversations you have, all of the the books you read and the shows you watch, they're all they all impart something on you. And yes, you do have relationships with books and movies and TV shows. They do they do have a very similar effect on you. Yeah, so what are those different types? I mean, what are the different types of relationships that are that are out there? Well, I don't think they can all be defined. I think there's uh, an infinite number of types of relationship. All right, what's what's a non-exhaustive list off the top of your head? Well, um, I don't know. I'd say there's probably romantic, yep, familial, and platonic. I think that's I think that pretty much sums everything else up. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah there's there's like four that a lot of people claim i feel like there's a lot more than that uh, i'm in agreement with you that uh, you know a, a list that we make is going to be non-exhaustive uh the ones that i had seen online and then the ones that i added to it uh, starting with the ones online uh, so you have the friendship you have the romantic relationship you have the acquaintanceship which they split off and made its own thing hmm. and there was a fourth one and i don't know which of these is the fourth one but i included 
you can have a spiritual relationship in whatever form that takes. You can have a personal relationship to oneself, which, depending on how you treated the spiritual relationship, those actually might be very similar to each other, um, or they may be very different things. There is the, the friendship, and I actually uh, there's kind of a, a number that I heard a while back that I thought was really interesting in relation to friendships, but we'll get into that later. You have the romantic relationship or the marriage. You have the relationship to things that don't have life of their own, like TV shows, music, uh, addictions, homes, football, a sport, anything. One of the ones that I find the most fascinating are the parasocial relationships. Define that. The parasocial... Well, I want to start actually, so I want to start by the definition of the of a of a relationship in itself so the definition of a relationship is or a definition is the state of being related or connected the definition a definition for a parasocial relationship is where one is treating the relationship as close as being close and a two-way street is one way that is a way that i would describe it but the other party does not have a connect does not feel a connection at all to the to the other party hmm. wow the, the connection is is not at all like what the, you know the same as as what the other person right is experiencing right do you have can you think of any examples of a parasocial relationship is this the first time are you familiar with with the parasocial relationship or no if uh, i just introduced I'm... a new like psychology thing to you i'm going to be super impressed with myself i mean you certainly uh, you certainly uh, introduced me to that term. Ah, oh, beautiful. Yeah, no, the... Uh, Can we just stop the show right there? <laughs> the a parasocial relationship. As you defined it, um, yeah, I can think of a couple of different examples. There's a... Uh, I'm sure there's... Uh, I mean, you've got manipulative relationships where one party, yeah, well, obviously manipulates or gaslights the other party into some kind of gain for the first party there's the uh the the, the first thing that i thought of was um a re- the relationship between a stalker and their victim because that's yeah, that's absolutely. uh probably the most one of the most egregious would you say the most polarized the parasocial relationship with the most deficit between the two parties oh, yeah, and yeah. their views of the relationship just a fun little stat for you regarding stalkers oh yeah yeah i took it one of my favorite classes uh, as an undergrad probably like my f- number one or two favorite class uh, as an undergrad was uh the profiling deviant behaviors class i took at dixie it was I feel like that would be a super interesting class. Uh, it was just beautiful like if forensic science, if forensic psychologists didn't almost have to work for the government, I would have I would have gone into that like yeah pretty quickly, but I wasn't interested in working for the government. I kind of want to do my own thing. So yeah. Anyway, the fun fact about stalkers is whenever whenever the relationship is left alone, meaning a third party does not intervene somehow like the police or close family of the victim 100% of 
stalker situations end in violence. I f- okay. Overwhelmingly murder. Can I? Murder okay, suicide. Okay, okay, my, oh my goodness. Can I give you my hot take on that? Uh, sure. What's the hot take? My immediate thought is that's a terrible thing, obviously. Yeah, it's horrible. 100% statistically verified. But the but the stats I feel like are more reporting error than anything because the people that the people that aren't having intervention are also more likely to be the ones that aren't reporting it themselves. And so those ones aren't being included in the statistics and the ones that are being included are being included because it did end up in violence. Hmm. Does that make sense? I think it's like the one, like, let's say, let's say it didn't end in violence. Why would, like, who would, like, who, where, how would that end up on a statistic block? Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there is a, so there's a very, so like to be considered a, to be labeled as a stalker, there have to be, there has to be a report until there's a report. You're just like an, a, a pushy neighbor or something yeah like you're you're just a clingy ex-boyfriend until you get the cops called on you once once it's reported then it's a stalker situation and that's where the stats are recorded after that point after the first time the police are called i'm saying that there's i mean there are most definitely situations out there that a stalk like if it were to come up somebody would look at it and say yes that is a full-on stalker victim situation but it's but it's not being reported and so it's not it hasn't been classified as a stalker situation yet statistically and again it's unacceptable that it Mm -hmm. happens but Mm -hmm. i just sorry this is my this is just my mind like there's no way that there's not a bunch of just unreported cases that didn't end in violence maybe not a bunch but there are there has to be some that just didn't get reported to the police and they did not and they did not end in violence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I you're mean, probably the way, like, right. They they didn't they didn't get reported to the police, and maybe it, it did report it did end in violence, and they just mm-hmm. never involved a third party. Right. The, right. the brother or a family member of the victim mm-hmm. just went and beat the crap out of the person that was. <laughs> you know, like that's. I would say that, you know that's that's going to be just as likely, or that's going to be on that same table of. There's going to be a few cases out there, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that's not really related, but um, no, see, that's got to yeah, be. Yeah, we're a getting case. into like semantics now about like what constitutes a stalker, and yeah. Anyway, it's just I thought that was a, a it, alarming it a, stat. Yeah, even if it's yeah, even if there's any reporting error, I mean that stat is mm-hmm. still concerning. Yeah, yeah, and it's indicative. But right, but. When the police do respond, because that was like my my professor brought up that stat to like illustrate the fact of like we need to we need to believe people when they say they're in danger. Yeah, because uh, a lot of those murder suicides at the hands of a stalker could have been prevented if the if the police had like done something when they were called. Yes. But anyway, that was a long conversation about a really bad type of relationship. So let's talk about some good types of relationships. No, no I want to make I want to make one more comment on it. Um, <sighs> now you got me on. I tried. 
so the reason I'm the reason I'm paranoid about stats like that is because is just because like I lo- don't get me wrong I loved I mean the re- one of the reasons that you and I made a good like initial connection is because of our, both of our fascination with like psychology and like brain type mm-hmm. stuff so I loved sociology and psychology mm-hmm. I took psychology first halfway through the book I'm looking through and they give the example of the I think the prime, the one of the big psychology 101 examples is I can't remember what the name is but like the majority like everybody assumes that somebody else is going to handle it. Mhm. And so there was like a like a woman screaming and she was being like stabbed or something in a in a very dense like apartment building. Mm-hmm. And so many people could hear her. And in the in the textbooks and the way they teach it is that it was an ex- it was a prime example of this condition of the like of this kind of trend in the brain that nobody called the police because they thought everybody thought somebody else would obviously do it. Wow. And so because of that, the woman obviously died and the police didn't get there for hours. And it was just this thing. That's like one of the five like main things they give in the psychology completely false. Like not didn't happen that way. They like Like the story didn't happen that way or no, like a like a dozen people or more called the police, the police, the, the thing was just that the police didn't come as fast as they were supposed to. Ah. And so it was just a, it was just a, there was a wrongdoing there, obviously, but the wrongdoing was not, people didn't reach out and try to do something about it. The response oh, okay. was there was, there was some issue and, and the police didn't, you know, took five, you know, way longer than they should have. And that's kind of where the gray area, gray area is. People didn't really ever find out why the response time was so long. Mm. Wow. So, so I just find that super fascinating, like both the initial story, cause it still does tell, like it still does get the point across as far as the trend of the human brain, but also that like, it's just a complete, like that specific story is just not true. Hmm. Um, and then in sociology, I had already taken psychology and I was already suspicious because I wasn't the only story that I found out wasn't true. That was still being taught in textbooks. Hmm. And by the end of the sociology class, I had literally, like my teacher sent me an email t- telling me because of all the like stuff I had submitted to her with my commentary, she, she emailed me and she says, I'm looking for a different textbook for next year. I just want you to know that. Dang. Wow. Because That's I, actually yeah. a really cool email to get. Yeah. I was, I, well, I was super happy to, to get it because I, you know, that was like one of the only satisfying things in that class. I was the, the state of mind that I had before that was just, if I just let people do their thing and I just don't bother anybody, like that's, that's all I need to do. I just, if I just chill, then that's me doing my part to like, you know, be a good person in humanity. And sociology really did get across to me like, no, okay. Like that's not necessarily sociology and some of the stuff in real estate showed me that like, no, you can't just like do your thing because there are like discriminatory like habits and procedures that are just still being done because it was started many years ago. Like, see, I can't just be passive because if I'm passive, then I'm doing things that weren't okay to begin with. But when I was reading the sociology book, there was a the person made a comment in the sociology book. I can't remember the exact wording of it, and I haven't been able to find the textbook again. But it said something right along the lines of the, cl- the claim was that the majority of women that go to college want to, quote unquote, mess around. And I read that and I was like, that is a super weird scientific claim to make. Like it, it was so jarring to read basically that like women, bunch of women that go to college want to get laid and want like want to hmm. hook up. Wow. 
that was a that was just a super straight like uh, to read it in a textbook like the language was just kind of like sloppy and slangy no it no it wasn't it was written it was written well but it was just like that it was it was the only time that i had sat there like but the so the claim was that surveyed women like a majority of surveyed women are in college to have sex yeah i think i think the word was to mess around wow um and it was it was just weird and i'm never i've never cared enough to like start looking at references the letter on the piece of paper that's all i care about and that's all anybody else cares about but i started looking at the references and i started going into the rabbit hole and we got into some like it was many it, this was a long time ago this was many years ago i do remember that at one point i the re, the direct line of references had brought me to a point of gorillas hmm. and then at some point I hit, and this is the most terrifying thing, and, and it's talked about a little bit when kind of in science, like kind of scientific research. The scariest thing was when I got back to that textbook. I literally went in a reference circle, a closed circle of references that brought me back to the sociology textbook. <laughs> so this... <laughs> do, you know how, do you know how terrifying that is? So the book referenced papers that referenced other papers that referenced other papers yep. that referenced yep. the book. Yes. Wow. Like that is that. So wow. We gotta talk about relationships, but yeah. I sorry. I just find that's like I read that and and I looked into it a little bit, and it's a very like it's actually a problem. Like it, mm-hmm. it's something that happens. They call it the close yeah. the close the reference loop or something like that. The closed loop. Wow. Yeah. Man. Well, well, we can talk about because yeah, so you've, you've touched on a lot of things that have really piqued my interest. Okay. <laughs> But we got to talk about that in another okay. episode. You and I can deconstruct academia another day. Yes. But let's yeah, talk well, about my, something oh uplifting, shall we? Yeah. We'll talk about education another day. I don't need any notes to talk about education. <laughs> so paras- parasocial relationships, that, that's how all this got started. Wow. Um, par- parasocial relationships, the reason that I find it so interesting is, is so I'm a techie guy. I play game. Like I play games. I uh, Like middle school, I was watching a lot of like streamers and all that. Mm-hmm. S- the, the relationship with celebrities was the reason that parasocial relationships and that name got tokened hmm. or got coined. Yeah. And so I, I, I see that. Yeah. So I, I knew of the name for, I've known of the name of it for a while. I didn't look it up until this show as far as kind of where it started, but 1956 and it was for mass media, like the way the mass media users acted like they were in a typical, I'm quoting this directly, acted like they were in a typical social relationship with a media figure such as as they were they were friends and obviously the media figure did not like there was nothing going the other direction right right and these these very um sometimes harmless but just awkward and sometimes like not harmless but these interactions when somebody would would you know would see their idol mm-hmm. don't idolize people don't do it yeah idolize behaviors don't idolize people that's my that's my advice of the day so they they would have the they would meet them and they would have this interaction from on their end, like it's a two-sided thing. And they're having this conversation and they're bringing up very like personal things that yes, at some points in their career, like this has come out to be public information, but that doesn't mean like you, you as somebody they don't know, like just walk up and ask them like, Hey, how's like Lily, your daughter doing? Like, that's a very not okay thing mm-hmm. to do <laughs> when your only connection with them is you've just watched, they're an actor and you've just watched their shows before. And you've, mm-hmm. you've watched their interviews and that is a super, and it's getting more and more common. The people are streaming, streaming has gotten, it, streaming is now a multi-billion dollar business. 
Mm-hmm. And so you have people that just kind of like gave it a shot and got lucky. And so at a young age, they just became insanely popular on mm-hmm. TikTok or on YouTube or or Twitch or in Instagram or what was that? Sh- what was that short video platform before TikTok? Vine, Vine, bro. Do it for the Vine, man. Do it for the Vine. Yeah. Oh, but all these people, those like, were the days. They just got lucky and they got super popular. Mm-hmm. They barely know how to conduct real relationships. Yep. And they and now they have millions of people that that they don't share a connection with that have these, you know, that think they're very deeply connected. Yeah. So there's a ton of examples. I find it fascinating and it's a growing issue because that that kind of content is just getting big like getting uh, more and more and more. Um what are your thoughts on it? I say all that what what's kind of going through your head? Uh I mean it all checks out in the uh, in this the internet age especially these last couple of years where the how do i say this without ruffling feathers the powers that be have uh, seen fit to uh, encourage and enforce people to disconnect from real life and plug into virtual realities yep a human to human interpersonal connection is sadly becoming a relic of a of an epoch past uh and this is the kind of thing this these parasocial relationships that you're talking about this is the kind of byproduct that we're going to get from that and it i will say can have some positive effects for in this case the mass media user because even a fake relationship is better than nothing does that make sense um yes what goes through my head and uh right when you say that is i would say like the like sure the good better best but immediately above that would be so much healthier to just have a better relationship with myself yeah sure sure yeah i'm not saying this is a good thing that everybody needs to have yeah. i'm saying like, if yes, you're you d- like a connection with something is better than no connection at all because right, no connection like... at all is death it's worse than death. It's hell. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hell. No connection at all is like people that don't have connections in their life become subhuman. Like it's bad. It's extremely bad. God, I have so many questions I want to ask you. I can think of a couple of different studies where people, uh, case, case studies where kids have been found in basements and stuff. Uh... I'm trying to remember this girl's name. I think, I th- oh, I can't remember. I know there was they, one where they like named she named her something like Georgia or okay. Georgianne like, or something. I know there was one where like they couldn't. There was a there was a girl that was probably twelve or thirteen, and she just was having the apps like she was not making any progress on on learning a language because she did she hadn't yeah. learned language up to that point. Yeah, right. Yeah, so her parents had like chained her in the basement. Like in the dark basement to a wall, and they basically just like put some straw on the floor for her to poop and pee in, and then like threw some food down the stairs every now and then. Uh, yeah, and she, they thought she was five years old when they found her. Turns out she was like 10 or 11. Yeah. Uh, because she was malnourished. She never, never learned to speak or really comprehend above like a, like a four, like a, th- I can't remember. She was basically a monkey. Like she was literally yeah. subhuman, like consciously. Yeah. 
because she didn't have connection, uh, any kind of relationship. She, I think she only lived to be like 16 tops. Like she just could not function like on any level, mentally, emotionally, physically, I'm sure spiritually, there couldn't have been, (laughs) there couldn't have been much there. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the importance of relationships in our lives. It's, it's literally life or hell without relationships. Can I ask you if you've experienced this at all or, or as you've gotten older and you have friends that are the same age as you um, that have been going down different career paths, uh, I make a story that you've maintained a relatively like healthy social life as you've gotten married and, and had a kid. Um, but the, the statistics, and especially I think uh, Jordan Peterson is somebody that you <laughs> recommend to me 150% of the time that I talk to you. All the time. If I ever recommend anybody that's not Jordan Peterson, I just want you to slap me in the face, okay? Do you have a pair do you have a parasocial relationship with Jordan Peterson? Absolutely, 100%. You told me <laughs> you said earlier not to idolize people. I think I chimed in in the affirmative, and then I immediately thought of Jordan <laughs> Peterson and how I regard him, and I was like, "Wait a minute. I'm I'm wait a freaking a, hypocrite." Wait a second. See like <laughs> like when I think about that for me though, like I don't want like I look at the, some of the stuff that I do and somebody will say to me, cause I'm, I'm very goal oriented. Somebody who is kind of asking me questions about goals. I had this a couple of weeks ago. They're, they're giving me like all these affirmations and they, they said the word idol and I did not, that was not, that was an uncomfortable hmm. cause immediately I think about some of the other stuff in my life. I'm like, man, if only you knew. Right. And like Jordan Peterson, for one thing, I do not idolize his diet. <laughs> yeah. Right. Are you serious? I would, yeah. Just beef. That's, that's just Unflavored beef. beef? Just beef. Beef and water. Yeah, that's Ugh, it. That's disgusting. So, disclaimer on that. He's got a bunch of, like, issues, like immunodeficiency or immunological diseases. Like, lupus is, like, a, a like oh. an immune disorder. Yeah. I'm not, I don't know if he has lupus. He's, he's got something. About, he's talked about... On one of his many things, it's a it's like a sickness thing. Like beef is the only food that he can eat that doesn't like just whack his body. So that's why he does that. I like my connection to food. I like my relationship with food. Mine can use some work. <laughs> I mean, compared to having a relationship with raw or not raw, but having a relationship to unflavored beef, mm-hmm. I have a. I am happy with my relationship to food. <laughs> so Jordan Peterson, Social Lives, he talks himself from his mouth, says that, and it's a common thing that men lose their social lives when they get older mm-hmm. and they get a family. Mm-hmm. What I mean, do you, I shouldn't have said this was from Jordan Peterson because now you'll just, now you'll just agree with him. What's, what's your experience on that? No, I was going to disagree with when you said you told a story that I had maintained a healthy social life. I have not. Uh, in fact, um, I've been meaning to text Kevin back for several days now. He texted me a few days ago, and uh, I've been meaning to text him back. And I just like keep forgetting or haven't gotten around to it or, or whatever. And that's weighing on my mind. And I'm not comfortable with, <laughs> with uh, just leaving my best friend of, geez, uh, almost 18 years, almost 20 years. 
just hanging like that in the wind. So yeah, I uh, I would absolutely agree that my social life has tapered off uh, as I've aged and as my family's grown. But you still, comparing yourself to, I find it hard to believe that from just looking externally, and I'm comparing, but comparing you to some of the folks that even just at my age, I don't. I say that as if we're a huge age difference apart from each other. We're not. <laughs> but folks that they got the job that they were looking for, they found a spouse or they found a partner. They did or didn't have a kid, and they just that like that's it. That's their that's their connection. You're not in that place. Yeah, uh, I yeah I agree. I'm not I'm not there. No, I I mean I do have friendships. I do have connections. I will say the thing I've noticed in my own personal life is that um, outside of familial relationships, my, uh, what I would say platonic meeting, you know, everybody outside of my family um, yeah. is like fleeting. If I see a person, like I see my coworkers all the time, and I act very, I act and I feel very warmly toward my coworkers and, you know, I can carry on conversations with them. But as soon as I turn around and leave, I do not think about them. And those are the ones that fall under the, the acquaintanceship relationships. I think that's a subcategory of platonic relationship, just personally. <laughs> I'm sticking to my, are... I'm sticking to my, th- I will say, I, I said three categories. You said... Um, personal and spiritual, I will add a fourth category to to my three. Intrapersonal okay. slash spiritual, gotcha. meaning connection to myself, relationship with myself, romantic, familial, platonic. So myself, intrapersonal, romantic, my wife, familial, my kids, my parents, my siblings, extended family. Platonic is everybody else. But the effect that it has on you between like a, like a friend, a good friend, um, you mentioned one a, a couple minutes ago, and your coworkers mm-hmm. is different. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, the effect between any one of my family members is going to be different also. But I don't think that I need to, I don't think we need to separate kids, the parent-kid relationship from the sibling-sibling relationship, you know? I think that's yeah I think what I'm what I'm getting at is like this statistic that Jordan Peterson has claimed is mm-hmm. as a gender when they get mm-hmm. their work and they get their family their platonic relationships tank yeah I think those I I think those people still have acquaintances at work that they mm-hmm. they chat with and then they go home and don't have anybody well besides the wife because and the, the wife the, and the kid. yeah because the connection is fulfilled by the family for for men oh largely speaking i disagree i disagree well i think the, i think the habit, well i mean the numbers say tell a different story the statistics tell a different story my so my personal interactions are that the statistic is true and that it is not the outcome is not healthy the experiences that i've seen around me are that it does happen and it is not to a positive effect that the like the, the folks that i have spoken to when they are trusting enough to, to share it with me. They are sad when they think about, they don't like their family are the only people that they, their immediate family, their householder and their coworkers are the only people that they talk to. <laughs> so that's my experience. Counterpoint. 
Has the pain of the problem overcome the pain of the solution in those instances? Counter, counterpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Does somebody know? Maybe. I could see, like, I could see the pain having reached a threshold, but it keeps going because they don't, because they don't know how to, how to make the first step. And instead of going in a direction that's healthier, they, they go into a direction that's not healthy. Addiction (laughs) being one of the many. Mm-hmm. Right. A misconnection, so to speak. They they go for a, they find the first the first and easiest thing they find because they don't know a healthier path is a misconnection of some way right. in, in right. some way or shape. Yeah, I get that. I guess I guess we could say for men the the perceived need on a surface level. Yeah. The perceived need that. of human connection is fulfilled by his family. And you know and I agree with you. There's there's definitely there's definitely a a trap there. I think. Yeah. 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 And I can agree with how you're how you're wording that, for sure. Mm-hmm. I thought the style was interesting. I can see patterns of it in my own life as far as connection mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. general where perceived it's not it's not fam- it's not familiar uh, familiar or the the household I actually disconnected a lot from my family and I connected in different ways. Um, mm-hmm. I could, I connected to other people. There were misconnections there. Hadn't, you know, dealing with a active addiction for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And as I'm stepping back into that, it's like the paradigm shift. You know, I, I didn't know. I thought I was, you know, I thought I was fulfilled. I felt like I was fulfilled. Mm. And then I experienced more and then was no longer satisfied with the previous experience. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, that's boy. You just like kind of glossed over one of the most amazing things. <laughs> I wanted to, the, so i i tried to i tried world. to use the, <laughs> i tried to use that term like the <laughs> the more like I experienced more. Yeah, I tried to like use that a little bit in a church talk. Yeah, didn't yeah. just like glass eyes right just, over their heads. They didn't. Yeah, because they hadn't done it. They hadn't had. So I've heard it called. Uh, I've heard the man, the myth, and the legend, Jordan Peterson, call that. Oh, here we go again. (laughs) An intimation of meaning. You, like, the more is like, don't believe anything we say here. The more is indescribable. You can't define it or describe it. We're just going to, we're just going to try to, we're essentially trying to beat a cloud with baseball bats. We're trying to beat a cloud into a specific shape with baseball bats. It's not possible. I mean, if you swung really hard, yeah. <laughs> you can't make a perfect cube out of a out of a piece of jello with a baseball bat. It's just I can think of external examples though that that I feel like seem similar to what I've experienced in in a paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Somebody that's have you ever watched those videos where somebody that has experienced some kind of color blindness uh, puts on those glasses for the first time that allows them to see. <sighs> color um i i know those videos exist i've seen them on social media and i've seen the thumbnails of the the baby who was born deaf that hears his the mom's voice for the first time i refuse to watch those because i know what will happen well you'll just go down a rabbit hole uh no i will just i'll die uh i will just melt like i I, i'm not emotionally prepared to handle that kind of yeah uh, like the more as you so as you said 
but would you say even just your guess on like how it goes would you say that's a good example yeah definitely there's uh yeah there's a i'm sure there's a uh some kind of breakthrough into to realms unknown and i think like on a on a much smaller scale a little bit kind of on the lighter side you know even just like food i've had experiences where i just you know i'll go to a nice restaurant in a uh, i've gone to a nice restaurant in a different country mm-hmm. and i've had something i'm like i literally had never conceived of this being an, like a possibility mm-hmm. just as far as like the the flavor combination and yeah and you know that's that's much different that's not nearly as serious i'm not trying to compare that to a baby gaining healing for the first time <laughs> i heard it you said it yeah but like that like that's a similar thing for me like this is mm-hmm. freaking awesome now i'm no longer satisfied <laughs> with um uh, with some of the things that i that i used to be you know yeah. when i was when i was 10 my favorite restaurant was old country old was a buffet it was an american style <laughs> buffet with microwaved macaroni and cheese. Oh yeah. Who? Um, did, yeah. Who? Okay. Raise of hands though. Who? Whose favorite restaurant at the age of ten wasn't a buffet? I mean, come on, man. You had all of the chickens, all of the uh, the chocolate fountains, and the ice cream machines. Like, come on, man. You'd go get like a slice of ham and some potatoes and. Uh, corn call that a vegetable call and then you were done with dinner and then you just had like 50 bowls of ice cream because it was there wow. right like that's who didn't do that at 10 I'm, I'm trying to remember so my brother and i we were on the same page the problem is, is my brother still likes those things and he has five years on me um <laughs> well um but we would get our plate would have two things on it mm-hmm. half the plate would be macaroni and cheese Yep. The other half would be chicken or something. Yeah. I can't yeah. I can't remember chips or that something. That sounds about like that. right. <laughs> Macaroni and cheese and chips. And uh chocolate milk. because um, our family like luckily, thank goodness, my parents just didn't drink soda themselves. And so we just never had the only thing we had in our fridge as children was water and milk. Wow. Thank goodness. Because my parasocial relationship with potato chips <laughs> is bad enough. Oh jeez. If soda had been a thing when I was a child, um it would have been bad. And so we were so our treat was like, okay, chocolate milk. This is dope. <laughs> Ice cream was never never a big thing, but those par- like those those paradigm shifts. That's the, that's the example I would give. Not that. The the child getting his hearing back. Ignore the thing with the buffet. It's too late. Like that's that's <laughs> that's what I would think about when I'm considering this and like when I experience connection in a way that i never have before and especially as i was going through the transformation of a misconnection with my addiction to stepping away from relying on that emotionally and physically uh because the body's reacting to that for a long time getting the real connection that i was seeking a healthy relationship that actually gives instead of takes that's a that's a that's a weird experience (laughs) like like for a relationship to be fulfilling like that was weird for me before uh, your misconnection with your addiction, what was like? What were your friendships like? Well, we were. Oh, well, I mean, you're talking. You're talking to. I can't remember. I can't remember what I was doing a week ago, and you're you're asking me what I was doing when I was ten years old. <laughs> like what kind? Yeah, just like what generally, what kinds of things? Like, uh, like I had friends that I'd play Super Smash Brothers with, and I'd had and I had friends that I'd play like 
guns. We'd like find a stick that kind of looked like a gun, and we'd go play like army men in the backyard. And then Lord of the Rings came out, and we we'd play, you know, Lord of the Rings, and we'd go fight orcs in the backyard. Like that were the thing. That, those were the things we did when I was okay, like so I'm gonna, ten and younger. So I'm gonna share. Okay, so I'm gonna share, and this isn't for any kind of any kind of pity, but I'm gonna share it for the for the sake of. I think it's a good. I think it's a good explanation and, and kind of as far as the sources on where the misconnection came from. So my, like before that I was, I was like into like video games and all that at 10 years old and whatever that age is. Um, and then the, the nature of it is I had a physical condition, which uh, gets better as I get older, but that means that at eight years old, it was, it was about as bad as it can be. Mm-hmm. And so the, the social connections were, were not there. Unless, unless it was a name calling from one side to the other, but there were still there were so uh, like some some friendships there, and then as that as that shifted, but I think that had a large part to play in the misconnection that I sought out because I didn't have a whole lot of uh, connections that were fulfilling. So I was looking around, you know, I'm looking around for something, probably with the mi- mindset of like a connection is better than no connection, which it is. Like I I remember with video games, like some of the hap- some of the just the fondest memories of childhood is we had a buddy that had a fairly like large room um, upstairs uh, in his house to the point that he could comfortably comfortably have like I don't know why this is something like this is something that's significant to me but I always liked his room cuz he could comfortably have like wardrobes and like cool things on the end like at the edges of his bedroom he could have his bed and then he could have a couch on the side of it like on the side of his bed without it being cramped and then a TV a respectable distance away <laughs> and they weren't they weren't rich by any means. His his mom was a hairdresser down in their living room. Mm-hmm. You know that was cool in itself. And we would just all night. There'd be like eight of us in that in that room, just nice. like leaning on each other's leaning on each other's backs. We'd have we'd have a you know five six TVs in there. Nice, heck yeah, dude. And we would just be playing uh, Call of Duty zombies. Mm, dude, those were the days, man. Yeah, not so zombos, um, man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we would just be like all night. And then, you know, even the, um, like my argument that like, there are connections that aren't face to face that are like healthy, like even if they couldn't be in person, the fact that we now had online, the ability to play online with each other, we still got to, we still got to have those internet, like we're, we're 10, we can't be at each other's house every day until midnight, but we can (laughs) stay up secretly and stay up and (laughs) online and play and have those connections. And those are some of the fondest memories as well, where we'd stay up until 3 a.m. and play play zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody freaking, like, looks at his phone for, like, a half a second because he thinks the girl he likes texted him. And he just ruined <laughs> he just ruined our five hours of work. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. like, dude, bros. <laughs> bros, man. Bros are where it's yeah, at. Right, right. Those super fond uh, memories, we would go... Uh, when we got off the school bus, we would... Uh, uh, the elementary school was right down the street, so we would go walk down there and we would go play basketball until the elementary school got out because a bunch of the a bunch of the kids had little siblings that they had to go pick up from the elementary school. So we would just mm-hmm. go play ball until the kids got out. And uh, I remember just ruining my fingers the first time that I tried to dunk a ball on those double rimmed <laughs> hoops because yeah. those just ruin your hands. <laughs> yeah, there's no give. There, there is no give. <laughs> the give is in the fingers. That's where the yeah. give is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, your body absorbs the impact. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the, I can't remember how we came to that. So I was asking you about your relationships. You, So you, there was, 
there was a period of what seems like really good relationships or good connections and then and then i mean i don't know this part of your story but you turned to an addiction for a while and then there was there wasn't connections yeah well i think um, at um, least at least healthy connections but then you mentioned after after you were you know in recovery you said the first time you were fulfilled by a relationship that was like something else like you'd never had that before so we were just kind of trying to explore some of your old yeah, and relationships I, about and like and i use aggressive terms like I, there were relationships that like in high school there you know there were there were you know a few fulfilling relationships uh it was different than it would have been right because i was i was training my brain every time with my misconnections that like the relationships are like taking that's what a relationship is mhm mhm not giving no, but I remember the, I was with, uh, I was with you, um, actually, we were on the top of whatever that mountain is. I think I've already told this story before on the show, mm-hmm. uh, but whatever those like snow, snow Canyon or snow mountains, whatever those white mountains are like 20 minutes away from where we were staying in St. George. Uh, there's, there's a lot. I tell the rest of the story. Maybe I'll remember the, the specific it's, hilltop we were on. It's it's insignificant. It's like a mountain range. I thought it was I thought it was called like Snow Canyon or something. Um, but anyways, we were up there, and up until that point, my biggest thing was like I couldn't even. I was afraid to cl- like my thing was I was afraid to close my eyes and like have thoughts. I was afraid to meditate uh-huh. because my only thing that I like I would just start thinking about my addiction. Right. Potentially scarier. I wouldn't think about my addiction, and then I would just be with myself, and that was horrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was not what I wanted. And we had two experiences, one in the lava, the lava tubes. Oh, yes. I loved that place. And that was the first, that was probably the first time that I could physically remember feeling comfortable for that long. I think we spent like 20 minutes in silence or something. Mm -hmm. It wasn't that long. I never did it that long. That's crazy. Oh, okay. Okay. It was like Um, five to 10 minutes, but yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the fact that it felt like 20 minutes. Right. But we got done with that. And then, and then folks started talking again. And I realized like, I just sat there with myself for that long. Didn't flip out <laughs> and that kind of goes into the person like the interper is it inter or intrapersonal intra, intra? okay yeah that intrapersonal relationship had been improved and then when we were on the top of that mountain realizing with the people around me and then just like that view i was still trying to get used to like not using my phone i was a, a, an addiction to electronics was one of the many things that i was dealing with and for the first time i was actually able to like feel something about the fact <laughs> that i was at the top of this mountain yeah. And, like, had this amazing and beautiful, like, world in front of me. And, like, people were laughing and, and joking and, and just, like, having a good time around me, which was amazing. Like, just, like, I was in the middle of, like, this situation that was just, like, crazy. <laughs> uh, you guys, like, I, you know, the, my thing when I got there was I didn't have any emotions. And that was, <laughs> that was probably the first time I felt an emotion besides anger <laughs> yeah. when I was yeah. there at Desert Sauce. And so, uh, so yeah. And then, and then after that, like I was no longer satisfied with the lesser that I was getting. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean, you know, that doesn't mean that everything's been just with Mary Poppins since that day, <laughs> but, but it does mean that I now recognize and like, I now am aware, I have this awareness of something that I didn't, I just didn't before, mm-hmm. which does change my approach on life. And I think, I think that plays into so many people's lives in different ways when they're just not aware of the way things could be people get to a certain place or they find the work, they find a work, they find a career 
that fulfills their monetary needs. They, it fulfills some of the needs that they perceive they have, mm-hmm. um, or whatever you know, whatever situation they get into a relationship that they they perceive to fulfill some of their needs. Mm-hmm. The reality of it looking like anybody can see f- looking from the outside in, anybody can see it's an abuse abusive relationship, or that it's not two sided. Uh, mm-hmm. and somebody can see what this work, you know, that somebody's doing, that the work is literally just killing them, you know, draining them on a daily basis without, without ever giving anything back. Right. Right. But, uh, but they don't know, like, they don't know what the possibility is. They think, they think that they're in a fantastic spot. Yeah. Comfort is a weird thing that way. Yeah. Because well, and it's, I mean, can I make the claim that like, it's scary to leave whether it's like, yeah, if you leave, it's scary to leave a relationship. Oh yeah, sure. But it's like you have a relationship with your work. Like it's scary to leave that because you don't know what relationship wouldn't be the first way that I would describe it as. But you have a connection with it. Yeah, you gain something from it. I mean, you gain a lot of things from work. Yeah. I mean, that's how I. That's how I would define a relationship is how one relates to something, and if they relate meaning. Or if they relate a sense of meaning, that's a relationship. Um, I think, rather unfortunately, many, uh, if not most people, um, relate senses of meaning in their work. Uh, that's That's not an unfortunate thing. The unfortunate thing is when people exclusively relate meaning from their work, which is a trap. Yeah, they like they they connect their self worth. Any any external connection that that somebody chooses to connect to their self worth is not. It's not know, enough. Not putting them, yeah, it's not. It's not putting them in a sustainable direction. Yeah, I know. Like I personally, I know several jobs that, if I was in the state of mind that I had now, I would have left long before I actually did because I felt bad for leaving. For, like, there's no. That doesn't even make sense to me anymore. It's a. It's a. Yeah. It's a place of work. Right. This is super random, but with uh, uh, in business, and this may have changed, you know, it's been many years and with technology and everything, I wouldn't be surprised if there's even kind of a fourth category, but there's three categories of managers, uh, X, Y, Z, and I can't remember, I think, I think X manager uses fear, Y manager uses rewards, and Z manager uses relationships. Like the Z manager is actually the one that like you stay because you do you do have a bunch of relationships and like relationships were built at the company Mm -hmm. and like it is a fulfilling like the z manager has set up an environment that is fulfilling Mm. yeah 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 the the y manager is better than the x manager because they're not using fear right but the y manager is is they're using rewards which gives the perceived thing of of yeah it fulfills me like i i get i got this bonus like i got i got tickets to you know i i went to one of my brother's old old places of work, like he got to go on a paid vacation twice a year to a very nice place. Mm-hmm. The rest of the job sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think that's you know I think that's interesting as well mm-hmm. that it's so structured that somebody can somebody can define that mm-hmm. those different uh, those different structures of of kind of um, kind of manager and and how that reflects that. I mean, I don't really I don't have a whole lot more to say on kind of the on that end. Hopefully, I mean, as far as as far as that little angle of it, I hope somebody kind of gains from my description of kind of going from misconnection and lack of emotion to fulfilling relationships and you know experience and experiencing emotion. 
because that was certainly a significant part of my life. Let me ask you a question, Jordan. Um, this may sound obvious. I hope it sounds obvious to some of our listeners, but I just want to ask it. Could you have gone from empty, my word, not yours, you know, devoid of emotion to those those levels beyond? Could you have made that transition by yourself? I'm going to say no. I think that it could have definitely happened in any number of ways. It didn't have to happen at a in treatment inpatient treatment center, but I take the I take the perspective like that. Uh, <laughs> maybe a thunk's question, but like one of those like thought provoking questions is like does a does a baby on an island ever learn to laugh? Mm-hmm. Kind of one of those type of things is like unless I li- unless I in some way shape or form see some type of interaction that is different than what my experience is, then I will not learn anything right. more than what I currently have. I will, I will remain, I will just remain like, even if it's, even if it doesn't have anything to do with anybody, with anybody else, you know, somebody can, like I could be, I could have an experience. I could have an experience in nature. <laughs> <laughs> like the one you had. Yeah. I mean, people were involved with that and, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was expounded because people were there. Um, yeah. but yeah. you know, I'm a, like, I'm a religious person. And so like, even like just having experiences in the world, I would still say, you know, there's, there's me, there's nature, and then there's my higher power, mm-hmm. which is, you know, three, you know, three factors. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, me myself, I'm not, I'm never gonna, I will never get anywhere different than what I'm currently at. Perfect. That was exactly right. That was exactly the answer I was hoping for. Because of course, like that, like this was the thing that I wanted to get to about relationships was that, like, human beings hardwired, physically designed to socialize. That's why, like, that's why we have relationships is to learn and to and to grow and progress. Nobody can do anything by themselves. That's the point of every movie ever. Changed my mind. <laughs> That's the point of like of everything. Every hero's journey. He needs like the the hero needs either a sidekick, the goddess. There's mm, I forget what this step is called. In the in the the storytelling of a, of the hero's journey. There's like yeah, yeah, yeah. the call to adventure the problem and then there's like the reconciliation with the goddess i think is the step there's always like some like you said higher power that like blesses the hero or whatever like the hero never ever ever does anything alone and that's like one of the most fundamental primordial components of humanity is relating to things to other people that's why we tell stories is to relate these these events or philosophical quandaries to ourselves in a different perspective you're a big fan of uh of the word primordial i learned am i yeah this uh... this is coming from the person that edits our shows yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know where that ha- I don't know where that came from. 
You put such a fo- the primordial. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it is though. Like that's it's integral. It's integral to our characters. It's, <laughs> it is like relationships are that important. We talked about. Uh, I'm googling this girl that we talked about. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Oh, I feel I feel sadness just when I think about a situation like hers. Like that is, like, I wouldn't wish that upon my my worst enemy i want to i want to ask you a question for you to kind of ponder while you're looking it up can you think do you have or have you had besides jordan peterson do you have or have you had any parasocial relationships that you're open to commenting on uh yeah the ones i mean ones that i've talked about on this show and the other show are uh the the folks over at critical role specifically travis Mm-hmm. I was just in Disneyland this uh, this past weekend, and uh, I mentioned to my wife that uh, one of our favorite things to do, my wife and I, is to people watch. We just watch all the all the weird oh, yeah. things that people do. It's fascinating. It's fascinating just to just think about what other people are thinking about just by observing their behavior. I mentioned to her, man, I really hope that I see Travis and Laura here so I can like talk to them and meet them. Cause, oh cause like, right. Like, and she pointed that out. She's like, you know how insane that sounds. Right. And I was like, ah, crap. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a parasocial relationship for you. I, um, so I mentioned, I, I watched a lot of, I would watch a lot of twitch.tv streams when I was young, two different people. I'm not going to name them. Cause I'm already weirded. Like I, I already look back on that previous version of myself and I'm already like weirded out by it. Yeah. But definitely a parasocial relationship with like two, probably more different streamers. I thought my connection to them was the connection between us was more than what it actually was. Mm-hmm. I was a child. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing to be, a, there's nothing to be ashamed about, but right. it certainly embarrasses me. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I'm like, I am so grateful that I have, internal like I, I said don't idolize people idolize behaviors and like i'm so grateful that by now like i have truly internalized that and i don't i can't think of anybody that i anybody there are still definitely like non-living interactions that i probably have a parasocial relationship with <laughs> potato chips being one of them but uh gordon ramsay one of my some of my friends they ran mm. into gordon ramsay at the airport oh dang they knew, like, I was super into Hell's Kitchen and, and MasterChef, uh-huh. super into it. Would I would have his, um, I was I was living with them at the time, and I would have his videos playing all the time. And they would always, like, share it with me, and I would joke around with them, like, oh, that sucks, like, I'm super jealous. I don't, like, that That does not bother me. I do not care that I did not meet Gordon <laughs> Ramsay in person. Yeah, yeah. Like, there is, there is no significance to me to meeting certainly somebody like that in person. There are, like... Like Critical Role, I would like to, you know, if the chance came up, like, I think it would be personally cool for me to just walk up and say, like, hey, you know, like so many others have done with him, like, hey, you know, just thank you. Like mm-hmm. you were pre- like you were present during a very specific part of my life and really helped like you like you were a factor in the course of my life changing. Mm-hmm. And so I appreciate, like, I appreciate the way that you 
presented yourselves and and what you provided on the internet was whole like was a wholesome and so just you know thank you for that but nothing about like having a conversation like i don't like i don't care about their i don't care about their personal lives like i don't the <laughs> the brian w foster thing aside that was <laughs> that was probably the most recent time that i found myself like trying to dip into like a celebrity's life mm-hmm. he's got a podcast been, now did you know that he does, yeah. He has a podcast. He's very active on. He's very active, like streaming. We talked about that the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, it's been a long time since I've done something like that, as far as like research and and like looking into somebody's life like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt weird. Yeah. But that's one of the things that I I'm super grateful for. And I think when, like, I think one of my pieces of advice for people when they were to ask me is it would be that thing. Like, don't when you look at somebody, don't compare. Like, don't compare yourself to them. Don't idolize them, because there's not. Like, I don't, you say like, you don't want, like, I don't want their life, but I'm being like, I'm being serious. Like they, they don't, it's just not, it's not helpful. What am I like? What, what, what do I gain? What do I gain from idolizing? I don't have anything against Travis. I'll use Travis as an example. Mm-hmm. What do I gain from idolizing Travis? I, I really respect and I try to emulate his demeanor and like the way that he interacts with others. Um, his choices that he's made to be like the whole jocks mocking a thing um and i'm sorry if people don't know what we're what we're talking about um travis willingham is a is a physically fit nerd (laughs) and he's vocal about both of those things Mm -hmm. and that's that's hard for some people and his choices to be to be vocal about that terry here okay here's the thing probably one of the closer people that that maybe at times i did idolize would be terry cruz mm-hmm I, re- I deeply respect so many of the decisions that he's made. Yeah. Um, I do not idolize yeah. Terry Crews. Great guy. Yeah. He has done things that are an example on a daily basis to me in some ways, as far mm-hmm. as like just the way he acts on camera <laughs> because I've never met him <laughs> and the, the parts of his personal life that he has chosen to share for the benefit of others. And for the benefit of himself, just because I've, I've gone through a similar experience. So I know that when I share stuff like that, it is, it is to benefit me as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't idolize Terry Crews because there's, it's not healthy for me to, to go farther than that. And I, I don't have a lot of other, like, I'm trying to think of a better way to explain that. And I don't have one. And I'm kind of, I'm feeling a little bit sad that I don't because it's very important to me. And I would love to explain it more than I already have, but I guess I'll just leave it at that. It's, I have learned personally that it's very important for me to not go farther than to idolize behaviors. Right. Right. I think you're onto something when you were saying what, what do you gain really from, from idolizing a person to that level? Right. Like, yeah. Like we were making fun of me for idolizing Jordan Peterson, but like really I know nothing about him. All I know about him is that when he talks about the human condition, it resonates with truth in a way that you, that you just don't hear. You just don't hear the yeah. the level of of like of depth. And I mean, I mean, yeah. Like I, uh, I that's that's all I know about him. I don't, I I, re- I don't really like worship him in any way. Because because like you said, because there, there's no there's no point. You don't get anything out of those relationships. The, yeah. the growth, the benefit that you get from relationships come from, like, you and me. Like, I'm going to go out on a limb. 
and say that you benefit from your relationship with me. I hope that's I do. true. Yeah. Well, I've but been vocal like, about I've been vocal about the fact that like like okay, I'll use you as an example. Okay. Similar to Critical Role, and I've already expressed this to you in the past. Mm-hmm. Just like Critical Role, you were present and you were a factor during a very specific part of my life. And just like Critical Role, you helped change the course that my life was taking. I so appreciate that. I can't, I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would have done a fantastic job if they were in the position that you were in when, mm-hmm. uh, when I was in Desert Sauce. But good God, am I grateful that you were the one that was there. <laughs> like, it was, you know, that was the experience that I had. And I, mm-hmm. and I am so grateful for that experience. And I think of the time that I was going to throw a chair at you one day and I'm, (laughs) and I'm so grateful for that because nobody like, nobody's been able to up to that point. Nobody had been able to push me like that before. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was so frustrating that you at, in the moment that you were able to do it, but I don't like, there's no, uh, well, and especially the fact like you're an imperfect person. And I know that I think, I think you realize that with anybody that you've interacted with for longer than a day. (laughs) But I think that's another big example is like, I think one of the reasons that I have stepped away from this, this, this habit of, of idolizing a person as a whole is because of all the experiences I've had where I, there was somebody that I would quote unquote idolize and then I've seen their imperfections laid bare family members who, you know, just like, (laughs) I just saw how like, it's blunt to say, and, and there's probably a, a, a more encouraging way to say it but like when i saw how messed up their lives were i was like ah <laughs> i see um there was a there was a vol- there was a volunteer one of the biggest examples and i had this like moment in the moment where i realized this she was a she was a volunteer she was she, she was way older than me she was she was an adult volunteer when i was a 10 year old camper she she helped put on the event it was it was an event for kids it was a um i don't want to get more specific than that but it was a big thing mm-hmm that was also a huge moment in my life. I wasn't super social. I wasn't super social before I went to that camp. That camp helped change the course of my life to help me step out into a more social, like outgoing person. The personality that you see now, I attribute significantly to that, to those, to those events that that person helped put on. Mm-hmm. Years later, I hadn't seen her in seven years, more, way more than seven. I, I hadn't seen her in years and years. It's 1 a.m. I'm doing DoorDash or some one of those apps. Mm-hmm. And I'm delivering fifty dollars worth of Taco Bell to a duplex in the middle of town. Sounds and like I walk a great in, time. I just want to say yes. Yeah, I'm the um, kind of person who would order that much Taco Bell. <laughs> and they open the door. They are completely wasted. They can't grab the food. They can't lean in the correct direction to grab the food from me. Oh wow! And so I just I walk in and I'm putting the food for them on the on the table, and this woman who had been a huge part of my life as a child was laying on the kitchen floor, passed out drunk. Wow. There were, there were other things in the household and, and about the position she was in that was, that was uh, not helping her in that situation. Um, that made it more of a, she wasn't in a good spot. Um, <laughs> Clearly. And she, I, I pass the thing around. She wakes up and she looks at me. That was the weird. We didn't say a word to each other. She mm. recognized me. Oof. I recognized her, and uh, and I left. And I like that. That experience was was weird. But I'm sure yeah. you. I'm sure you can guess what I what I kind of took from that. 
Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing... There's not, that, that didn't take away from my childhood experience. Right. It did take away my... my that interaction was that interaction. That has nothing to do with anything else. And it's almost selfish to her for me to put that expectation or a expectation onto her from that experience 10 years ago in a way Mm -hmm. that she was going to be a different person than what she is right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Did the direction of this episode go in the direction that you thought it would? Um, not exactly. It didn't stray as far as, uh, it has in the past. True. From, from where I thought I was going to go. But, uh, but yeah, it took, it took some turns there. It uh, took some turns there. I I'm interested. Can I can I ask you a question and then if you, yes that I want that I definitely want to get out before we end things and then if you have one after that that's going to be up to you whether you want to go past your own time limit. <laughs> no, that's um, fine. we've been going down these these rabbit holes and talking about the family as as far as not being enough. Is do you have any comments that you'd like to make about the importance of your familial relationships and and your spouse and. In general terms, without, you know, saying names or, or anything like that, just kind of the effect that that, you know, that um, familial, the familial relationships have done for you. <sighs> yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not married and I don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are married and you have kids. Yes. Wow. You just dove right into there. Yep. So I'm struggling to think of uh of any more impactful relationships than my parents had on me mm. and that my wife continues to have on me and i think for obvious reasons like obviously my parents were there um from the moment i became a conscious human being and they molded me and 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 raised me I, I guess full stop there they molded me and raised me so i mean that's pretty formative i would say <laughs> and then upon that that foundation i had siblings come into the picture and you know i learned a lot from interacting with them subconsciously uh, meaning i learned a lot about myself subconsciously it wasn't immediately apparent to me as a child that I was benefiting from those relationships but but yeah I think the familial relationships inherently the most impactful and uh and at now as a as a father as a husband and father I'm seeing the echo of my childhood my children um, especially as my oldest son is, you know, coming into ages where I'm having more and more memories of myself at his age. Um, I'm seeing these echoes and patterns in in him. That are some I, of the patterns scary? Some of them are <laughs> terrifying. Um, like, like truthfully, honestly, yeah. like yes, I, yes, yeah. I have lost many hours of sleep over some of the things that I've observed. And I don't think that's, you know, I I don't think that's uncommon. I mean, I just, I know some of my traits that it's, yeah, I'll just say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but ultimately, like what all of that is teaching me 
and what I'm seeing and observing and what I'm learning from all of that is that that human beings, all animals, but especially, especially human beings, are hardwired. And when I say hardwired, I mean literal wires in your brain are programmed to socialize primordial. each other. <laughs> the primordial <laughs> essence of humanity <laughs> is truly tied to the family unit. There's no other scenario or situation that a person, a human being can be in that's more impactful than their family when they're young. I mean, I talk about echoes and like my childhood echoing into my to my child's childhood. I mean, that's what my life is all about right now is fostering the relationships between my wife and my kids right now. That's that is above all my number one priority. When I wake up in the morning and when I go to bed at night, I think of how can I show up for my family? I'm just going to I'm going to send that little bit to your wife. Good. Good. Guys, thank you so much for uh for listening. That was a super enjoyable conversation to just have. Brian, I want I want you to ask me your thunks question and I want to just give you a one-word response and then we'll end things off. Perfect. All right. I um, hope it's just the stupidest question. It's It's not it's not very good. Um <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, I do want to say I found the the lost girl. Her name was oh, yeah, Jeannie. Yeah. If you Jeannie, Google okay. Jeannie Feral Child, there's articles oh, yeah. and there's books written on her. Go look at look her up. Uh, not for the faint of heart. It is a very very tragic story. It's hard, yeah. but it's an example of what goes wrong when you don't have good solid relationships. Especially as a child. Especially as a baby. Yeah. This is a very deep and insightful question. I can I can tell by your tone of voice. <laughs> is there anything you couldn't have a museum about? Wow. That's my response. I said I would give a one-word response. <laughs> wow. I guess uh, a word once given. I keep my I keep my word. All right, folks. Um, catch us next time. Thanks for listening. Remember, don't believe anything we say.